Welcome to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. I am one of your lovely hosts, Josh Johnson, and over there, uh, far too close to me for my own good, is Ben Watts. Why am I too close? Because I'm afraid of you. You should be. I know. I'm smart. I'm fine with it. <laughs> We've got our top 12 dynasty wide receivers on the show today. Uh, but first, we've got a bit of a segment that I would like to call Yes or No, uh, where Ben can answer yes or no to a question that I will ask him. <clears throat> can I say more than yes, or do I, can I just stop after the yes? You, you can elaborate. Okay. You, you are allowed to elaborate. Yes or no, will DK Metcalf get more than 129 targets in 2022? He's had exactly 129 each of his first two years in the league. Will he catch, not catch, sorry. Will he get 129 plus targets from Mr. Drew Locke? Will they even let Drew Locke throw 129 passes? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's see if it works out for him. I don't, I don't know about that. It didn't work for Denver, that's for sure. No. I mean, I would assume he gets 130 just because who else are they going to throw to? They still got Tyler Lockett, but... Uh, Tyler Lockett just had this weird connection with Russell Wilson. They were like, they were very much like they could have been brothers. I mean, he just, he would throw it up there and Tyler Lockett would just be there. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's just there. He was Russell Wilson's uh, security blanket, even though he was a deep threat. Yeah. And um, yeah, they, they combined for some of the most ridiculous touchdowns I think I've ever seen. Um, I, I don't have an explanation for a lot of them. No, I, I, I think uh, there was some behind-the-scenes things going on. But, uh, yeah, DK, I would, I would say yes to that. I think he gets more than 129. 129 feels in 17 games. I, it feels I probably, low. It does. For I feel like I a lot of receivers. I feel like I should have crunched the numbers and seen, like, how many is that a game? Like, do this for me. If he gets eight targets a game, how many is that in a 17-game season? Let me pull up the calculator. I, I feel like... He should get... It's 136. That's 136. I don't think that's unreasonable. No, I think... He's he going to have games where he dips under that, but he also should have games where he's got like 16 targets. I honestly feel like he should get 10 targets a game. I feel like he should be in that 150 to 165 I mean, target. who else? They, they got like Will Disley at no, tight end. They had Noah Fant. I forgot about Noah Fant. Well, that sucks did. for Noah Fant. I mean, my <laughs> gosh. My man thought he was getting Russell Wilson. Turns out... He's getting Drew Locke. Mr. Drewski. I feel bad for all of you. More power to him. I wish good things. So we've got our uh, top 12 dynasty wide receivers. Not our wide receivers we have as our top 12 for just 2022. But for if you're starting up a dynasty league, these are our top 12 receivers in a startup dynasty draft. Um, And we've created a list together putting our big brains together. We don't necessarily agree on all of these on here, but it's just kind of a composite of where we ranked them and then together. Yeah. So for us, number one on our dynasty wide receivers list, Mr. Jamar Chase, which that's super surprising. Not, it's not super surprising, but it is kind of all at the same time. Uh, where you know, you I don't think the top two guys are interchangeable. I think so too. I and we'll just kind of illuminate number two is Justin Jefferson. And I do really think that it's take it or leave it, whichever one you prefer. 
I don't think you can a get into answer. an argument, but just just pick the guy you like. Yeah, ja- um, Jamar Chase, unreal talent. I think he's probably the most talented wide receiver on the list. You can definitely make that argument, and you would not be a crazy person. Um, I think with Chase, the reason why he's at number one is because he's tied to Joe Burrow. He's the youngest guy on this list. He's very young. Joe Burrow is also very young, and neither one of them have gotten paid yet, which, you know, they're going to be together for a long time, and they're in an offense that is fantastic. They're going to throw the ball a lot. He's got a top five quarterback throwing him the ball for probably a very long that's, time. That's Burrow's boy too. Like they were in college together, had a great connection, and it I mean it seamlessly carried over the NFL. Exactly. Um, I think that would be the only separator between Chase and Jefferson. They they operate differently, um, but I think that you know you can basically just have a personal preference, and that is it. They're they're pretty much on equal footing in terms of talent. Um, but Justin Jefferson is tied to Kirk Cousins for... Not as good as Burrow. He's not as good as Burrow, but he's also the only target in the offense. Yeah. Um, and Kirk Cousins is only locked up for one season. So you don't know how long Kirk Cousins is his quarterback. That was the my separator why I took Chase one. However, Chase has target, for comp- has target competition. Correct. In T. Higgins. And Boyd's not bad either. Right. But, I mean, it didn't stop him this year. He had 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns. He broke the record. Right. Um, and Justin Jefferson he's, has an aging Adam Thielen. target monster. Right. He's going to get 160. Yeah, at least. for sure. Um, and I think Chase will do all his work on a, like, he's just more efficient on a per-target basis. He's going to hit those, he's kind of like Tyree Kill, and that he can go for five for 150 and three touchdowns in a game, and you won't bat an eye. Like it's it's entirely in the realm of outcomes for him to do that. It's sort of like we go back to our dynasty running back talk, competition, talk where DeAndre Swift and those guys very efficient running backs like Chase, or do you chase the volume like Najee Harris with Justin Jefferson or Jeff I mean, Thielen? He's a good red zone target, but Justin Jefferson is gonna he's the number one by far. There's not a close second. Right. Number three. On our list here, we have A.J. Brown. Maybe a little controversial there. It might be. Um, And, you know, I think A.J. Brown, as a talent, um, is is on equal footing with some of his other peers. Like, you know, maybe you could make the argument Chase, Jefferson are better talents at the receiver position than Brown. Um, But he's not far behind them. The reason he plays a why, little bit different style. He does play a bit different. He's an alpha He's outside wide physical. receiver, very physical, very fast, and he can explode. The problem with A.J. Brown is he is on a run-first offense and Ryan Tannehill is his quarterback. If you were to put A.J. Brown on Minnesota's offense, he would crush. He would be a top-five wide receiver. Um, he has the ability to absolutely break a game open, the problem is he also, because I think his situation, he also can disappear. He'll have the game where he goes for 30 points, 150 yards, two touchdowns, but then Tannehill, for whatever reason, just won't target him next game. And he'll have seven points. Right. Uh, he also has a bit of an injury history. He has not played, well, he played a full season his first year in the league, but his last two years he's played 14 and 13 games. 
Um, and this past year, <clears throat> I think he was more hurt than in years past. Um, he only finished with 870 yards and five touchdowns. And I think that has something to do with it as well. A.J. Brown is a naturally efficient receiver. Mm. Um, he had 19 touchdowns in his first two years in the league and only five this past year. I think you can expect that to increase. Um, it, you know, you can't really bet on touchdowns. Touchdowns are an inexact science, um, and they, they ebb and flow season by season. So I think you can expect a more steady uh, touchdown production from A.J. Brown. And also, he's coming into his fourth year in the league. Uh, he does not currently have a serious injury, and he's absolutely the alpha on that offense. And I think the best bit uh, that came out of the offseason for him was they got a good second option. They got Robert, Robert Woods, Woods is not flashy, but he's very good. He gets the job done. Yeah, you, can, you could probably just lock him in at the start of the season for 850 yards and five touchdowns. And that's a great wide receiver, too, to alleviate some pressure off of A.J. Brown. And he was, when he was last year, I know Stafford is much better than Tannehill, but he was on a very good pace last season. Yeah. Yeah, he was crushing it before his ACL injury last year as well. Number four, we have CeeDee Lamb. I feel like a lot of people will probably prefer him to A.J. Brown. Yeah. I do think that... Which, I mean, I won't blame you there either. Yeah, it's sort of like one and two, like... A.J. Brown and Lamb are sort of personal preference. They play differently, and they're on different offenses. Um, C.D. Lamb gotta has... Got to have the quarterback. Got to have the quarterback. They've both underperformed last year, um, and I think for some people there's a bit of a sour taste in their mouths after, you know, I think A.J. Brown finished as wide receiver 32, and C.D. Lamb finished, I think, as wide receiver 18. He was 19 in PPR. 19 in PPR. So that's obviously not great. <clears throat> but Amari Cooper has left, um, and C.D. Lamb is the only target in town for Dak Prescott. Michael Gallup, I think, is he's good, but I mean, there's he's not going to touch C.D.'s target share. Right. I, you know, I was telling you before the show. I think C.D. has been used in a really weird way his first two seasons. Yeah. Um, he gets moved into the slot probably more than he should, um, and he doesn't garner the type of targets that you would expect an alpha receiver like CeeDee Lamb to get. Which he 100% is. He's absolutely an alpha. I mean, he should be getting, you know, close to 30%. I mean, talent-wise, he's right there with the top three guys. Yeah. There's... I, I loved him in Oklahoma where he was just... He dom, I mean, he, he was good against Alabama in the playoffs. Like, yeah, he's he, a stud. He's an absolute stud. He's an alpha, and he's young. Um, I think that's why most people probably have him as at two is when you alluded to, to Amari Cooper's gone. So he is the only show in town now. Right. You know, Michael Gallup is a good player. He's a good jump ball receiver, but he's coming off an ACL injury. Um, and the Cowboys didn't just lose Amari Cooper. They also lost Cedric Wilson to the Dolphins. So there's a lot of targets that have dried up all of a sudden that have to go somewhere. And you have to imagine that CeeDee Lamb should approach a 28% target share next year. And 28% of Dak's targets turn into fantasy points. Yeah. He's going to score touchdowns. Um, and I think that they will focus the passing offense through CeeDee Lamb next year. He's so young, too. He's, so He's 22. Young. He's 22. If you can buy him low, absolutely do it. Because he finished the season, like you said, it left a really bad taste. His last four games, he scored 8 points, 8 points, 6 points, 5 points. And I think he only caught like two passes 
against the 49ers in that playoff game. So people were very unimpressed with him at the end of the season. Yeah, you had Troy Aikman after that game publicly calling out either the play calling or Dak or both, wondering why CeeDee Lamb wasn't getting targets, saying like, that's a dude, just throw in the ball, let him make plays, and they weren't really doing that. So if you can find somebody who's not super happy, yeah, bye, 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 CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Number five, we have Cooper Cup. Little Cooper Cup. Little old Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup of coffee. And uh, Cooper Cup just had the best fantasy season a wide receiver can have. This is one of those situations where I get this is a dynasty list, but where in your mind does youth go over prime production? Because I don't see Cooper Cup for the next three seasons really not being a wide receiver one. Yeah, and I think you have to specify what you mean by a dynasty list. And I think with a wide receivers, you're almost looking at it like the next three to five years, you know, who do I think is the best guys, the guys that I can lock in my lineup and not have to worry about it, that can be building blocks for my team. Um, And sometimes age does go a bit overboard and you have to, you kind of have to balance that, like, it's They're, different for wide receivers, too. Like, running backs, age is everything. Right. Wide receivers is not the same, same case. No. I mean, you can have a wide receiver up until, like, 32, and it's no big deal. Um, whereas running backs, typically, you start selling them at 27, 28. Um, like, you want to get out of there, wipe your hands of them. Right. Uh, but with Cooper Cup, he's tied to Matthew Stafford, who has a long history of force-feeding his number one receiver. And they have a ridiculous connection together. A ridiculous connection. Um, what were his... Like, he, was, he was the triple crown last year, um, which means he led in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Uh, he finished with 191 targets. He was which in the MVP conversation. Obscene. He, he sh- honestly... He got MVP votes. He honestly could have won the MVP and nobody would have been mad about it. Um, 191 targets, 145 receptions, 1,947 yards and 16 touchdowns. Even with an additional game, that's stupid. That's absolutely dumb. His fantasy point totals last year were 20, 32, 26, 9, 12, 29, 32, 21, 15, 17, 15, 22, 24, 30, 16, 18, 23. That's absolutely dumb. He had one double-digit game. Or one single-digit game, sorry. He had one single-digit game. Wide receivers bust. That's like something that you just kind of factor into it. Occasionally, they're they going to have, have that game games. where they catch three passes for 30 yards. Right. Cooper Cup did not have that game. And that game that he had uh, nine points, he had 13 targets. And it just turned into five catches for 64 yards. He is a volume hog. He's going to be force fed. And this was happening. He gets volume and he's efficient with it. Right. This was happening with Robert Woods also producing in that offense, with Odell Beckham also producing in that offense at different points in the season. And even though they've added Allen Robinson, I think you can expect... I'm not scared expect, of Allen Robinson. No, I think you can expect more of the same. The question with Cooper Cup is how long can this continue? It's a combination of how long is Matt Stafford going to be there? He just signed a four-year extension, so you assume three to four years of this can continue. Well, um, I mean, we see quarterbacks... Obviously, Brady playing well into his 40s. Aaron Rodgers is winning MVPs at 38. So Stafford's got plenty of years left in him to be a very good quarterback. Right. So number six, we have Devontae Adams. Controversial probably too. 
probably. Um, I think if Devontae stayed in Green Bay, you would see him probably higher. I think you would probably make an argument for him at four, even. Um, potentially even three. Like he is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, you know, Cooper Cup had a wonderful season, an outstanding season, but I think it's just generally known. Devontae Adams is a route technician. Um, he is he, masterful. He is absolutely a master at and I route hate running. Him. <laughs> he's amazing. And he's been doing it for years. Um, the only question and probably why he's at number six is being traded to the Raiders. How does that translate to fantasy production? I'm not super, super worried about him. I don't think. I think it more hurts Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. I think they drop a lot. Devontae Adams, wherever he goes, he is like going to be the bona fide one. He's going to get a massive number of targets. He's going to be very efficient with those targets. I don't care. If it's Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr's really underrated. He's pretty good. Derek Carr's definitely shown he can support fantasy production. I mean, Darren Waller had uh, you know, a tight end, I think it was two season um in twenty twenty. Um Hunter Renfro last year as well was, you know, a, on a tear down the stretch. I think he finished as the wide receiver for fourteen in standard and wide receiver 11 in PPR. So he finished as a wide receiver one in PPR. The problem with Derek Carr is that he's only thrown 30 touchdowns once. And so, you know, Devontae has been not just a, uh, a yards machine, but he's also caught a ton of Aaron Rodgers touchdowns. Yeah. Um, and you have to imagine that that comes down a bit. So I don't I think, think, yeah, go ahead. I don't think anybody really knows how good he's going to be in, in um, Las Vegas. But however good he is, he should sustain that for the next three to four years. He's going to be a, a high-end wide receiver one, I think, no question. He's obviously going to the Raiders is going to – it hits – it takes a hit on his value, I think, even in redraft. I'm now taking probably, obviously Cup and Jefferson and Chase ahead of him in redraft. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, in a redraft league, I, I think – I think he's four. I think he would be four as well. Uh, number seven, we have Debo Samuel. Debo! I don't Love know if... Debo. Uh, nobody can see this, but you are wearing a South Carolina hoodie. I don't know if that has anything to do with this. the last good thing that happened to us. <laughs> I, I don't... Like, does that have anything to do with the fact that you are in love with Mr. Debo Samuel? And that I can't acquire him anywhere <laughs> because everyone else who has him in our leagues is also a South Carolina fan. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a regional bias, I think, going on here, but... Absent that. Um, Not super biased. I mean, the dude is elite. He, uh, yeah. I mean, everybody on this list at a certain extent or another. He was is number elite. three in PPR. Yeah. Um, Debo's interesting, though, because he had eight rushing touchdowns last year. Uh, he also had like 50 something rushing attempts. Um, but he also was incredibly efficient on his receiving work because he had 1,200 yards. Um, it's, the thing with Debo is we're not 100% sure what his scenario looks like next year. Um, and a lot of the guys left are guys that we're not 100% sure about their scenario. Everybody above Debo here, six through one, they're locked in. You know what they're going to get. Um, it's pretty much a sure thing. Guys, after this, there's some question marks. And I think with Debo, the question marks are at quarterback. I... Th 
I think obviously Trey Lance is a little bit more of an unknown, but either way, like he's obviously he's not a target monster where it's going to depend a whole lot on Trey Lance, you know, throwing in the ball downfield. Shanahan just schemes Debo the ball. Yeah. So Trey Lance may dip his value a little bit, but I think with Shanahan calling the plays out there, they're going to find ways to get Debo the ball and he's going to be very efficient with it kind of no matter what. Yeah. So in the two games that uh, Trey Lance started last year, Debo against Arizona in week nine had 8.8 half PPR fantasy points. He had nine targets, um, but obviously that didn't translate to an amazing fantasy week. But against Houston in week 17, he had 15.7 half PPR points um, on only 60 yards receiving. He did have a touchdown. Um, He also had a... It's not showing me his rushing totals here, but... He had the majority of that in his rushing totals. Um, do, like, is he going to continue that sort of wide back role that he started last year? Is he going to just be an anomaly like that? I I think so. I mean, I, they're going to get him in the screens. They're going to keep putting him in the back. Like, they would put him at running back in like I formation, and he was still unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, he's two hundred twenty pounds, so he can withstand that theoretically. He's a, he's a little bowling ball, a little bit. Um, he's also shifty, and you can't get a clean shot on him. He's like, and he's fast, but he's not like elite speed, like Chase or any of those guys. He's just, he just gets away from you somehow. Yeah. And, you know, we know that Kyle Shanahan's going to scheme open his guys. He's going to force feed Debo the ball. Debo's the heart and soul of that team, I think. Remember um, last offseason, we were, it was a huge argument of like, is Brandon Ayuk going to like step up and take away from Debo? That was incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be honest, I was taking Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel last year, um, and I whiffed on that one hard. Um, yeah, Debo, Debo overtook that offense in a dynamic way. Now, he had an injury history, which was what people were trying to figure out last year because he missed several games last year, and in those games, Brandon Ayuk dominated. He was hurt a lot in college, too. Yeah. He's he's been hurt just about at every level every year of his career except last year. Um, you know, is 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 his injury history going to come back and bite him? Um, is he going to rip a ligament up and then miss six games and then all of a sudden he's got a lost season? I mean, you can't really predict injuries, so I mean, I I try not to predict them, even though their injury bias happens with a lot of guys. So yeah, yeah. Number eight, we have Tyreek Hill. Yeah, which honestly is a huge bummer. This this trade uh, from Kansas City to the Dolphins, it just kind of made everybody lose, except Tua Tagovailoa. <sighs> he got better. He did get better. Um, Patrick Mahomes got worse. Tyreek Hill got worse. Yeah, Jalen Waddle got, got worse. Mike Gesicki got worse. And Devontae Parker got traded. Great for good for Devontae Parker getting out of there. <laughs> so I I don't know like what what can you take from Mike McDaniel has said things like they want to use Tyreek Hill like Debo Samuel's used in San Francisco. You obviously know that Tyreek Hill is a game wrecker when um you know when he's been hit or miss in the past, but when he hits, yeah, Kansas he's City dynamite. uses him funny sometimes. Like he'll have those games where he gets all the targets and he just explodes 
And then it'll have games where Kansas City only used him as a decoy. Yeah. And they would get two targets, catch 15 yards, and ruin your day. I love Tyreek Hill, and I also hate Tyreek Hill because I have lost in one of my main leagues three years in a row because of Tyreek Hill <laughs> scoring <laughs> single digits in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, now that he's been traded, I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to be boomer bust the same way he was in Kansas City. Obviously, his ceiling has been capped because, you know, unless Tua takes a huge step forward, and he's not going to have the big 40, week, 40 point weeks from Patrick Mahomes throwing right. it 80 yards down the field. Right. He's going to have to get his yards after the catch, which he can totally do. He is super fast. He's and I think Mike shifty. McDaniel, he's got the experience with Debo. He essentially has two Debos now yeah. in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So, Defenses aren't going to be able to focus on either one of them, like per se, without the other one being a problem. The deep game, the thing is, Tua has been extremely accurate in his career, he, but is, he hasn't thrown deep that much. He had yeah. he averaged, 7% of his targets were deep targets. He averaged two deep targets a game last year, but he hit 70% of them. So, you know, what do you take away from that? I, I don't know if it was the game plan for him not to throw deep, um, to keep things in front of him, to throw short and let his receivers make plays, or if it was, okay, this dude just isn't going to throw deep. He's just going to throw underneath. But, you know, at Alabama, he was he, chucking the ball he all could over throw the place. I don't understand. Like, he, he's got an arm yeah. to throw the ball deep. It's just a matter of will they let him do it? Or Is it his confidence, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Or will Mike McDaniel scheme up ways for Tua to get chunk plays without having to throw the ball 40 yards down the field. I think it'll be a combination of, I'm still got Tyreek Hill. Like he's going to be a wide receiver one, unless something terrible happens. McDaniel's going to get him the ball in space. He's very good at that. He was very good with Debo Kittle doing that stuff. And I think maybe Tua steps, takes a step forward and can get him the ball downfield a little bit. Number nine, we have T Higgins. Um, this one, you know, I'll, Ben, why don't you take the take the floor on this one? I I'm even as a South Carolina fan, I like T. Higgins. He's tied to Joe Burrow. He's I, there's obviously he's going to be second fiddle to Jamar Chase. There's no question there. Chase is the clear alpha, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like Joe, uh, T. Higgins would have his games where he would just explode. Let me see if I can pull up his stats here. Like he he gets his targets. He had games. Let's see. Week two, he had 10 targets. Week seven, he had 15 targets. Week 13, he had 14 targets. Week 16, he had 16 targets. And most of those games in between, he had like at least eight targets. So you're catching passes from Joe Burrow, who's going to keep maturing and become taking that step into becoming one of the elite quarterbacks in the upper echelon. Jamar Chase is going to get better. Defenses cannot key, on T, key in on T. Higgins. Otherwise, Chase is just going to destroy him. So, I mean, I, I think it's just a great situation. I think Burrow can easily support two excellent wide receivers for fantasy. Yeah, I mean, if T. Higgins played a full 17 games, he was on pace for 134 targets. So, More than DK Metcalf. Right. I mean, that's enough, I think, to support a wide receiver one season. Um, I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one week in, week no. out. But I think he's consistently a wide receiver two with wide receiver one spike weeks. Yeah, and this is this is where you have to judge like, okay, what is present production versus future production? And I think with T. Higgins, 
he's going to have his ceiling capped a bit because Jamar Chase is there. And Jamar Chase is the, you know, the vacuum of that offense. He's going to absorb a lot of yards, a lot of targets, a lot of touchdowns. I don't think that team goes to the Super Bowl without Jamar Chase. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, but Tegan's is a great wide receiver. Um, the only issue with him is it really will just come down to how much will they throw the ball? Will they allow Joe Burrow to throw the ball 600, 650 times? If that's the case, then yeah, T Higgins can absolutely be a back end wide receiver one. I don't know if I would buy into, um, him being like a top five wide receiver. I think some people are absolutely way over the top on T Higgins. I don't think he'll, I mean, as long as, unless Jamar Chase gets hurt or something like that, Higgins will never be top five, but I think he consistently be top 10. Yeah, I think that's, that's, you know, in 2022, I would probably have him as like a high wide receiver two. I don't know if I would bet on him being wide receiver one. Um, But yeah, I mean, he certainly could sneak into that, you know, wide receiver one range going forward. And he's young. I mean, he's got, he's tied to Joe Burrow. Um, He'll be in Cincinnati for a long time. Uh, He will have many years where, you know, maybe Jamar Chase misses a couple games and T. Higgins gets a 15-target, 150-yard game. That's totally in the realm of possibilities. And he did that on games with Jamar Chase. Right. Number 10, we've got Jalen Waddell. And my soul hurts because I acquired acquired Jalen Waddell everywhere prior to the Tyreek Hill trade, thinking I'd gotten myself a sneaky top five wide receiver. And I think a lot of people were in that same boat with me. And then Tyreek Hill showed up. And now kind of all of that is a little bit out the window. How stupid do you feel? I feel very stupid. I am a stupid, stupid man. I mean, he's a clone of Tyreek Hill. (laughs) They're basically the same thing. I remember we had a conversation uh, leading up to our rookie draft a year ago. And I didn't end up taking Jalen Waddle in in that rookie draft. But uh, I remember you... Yeah, it was a mistake. I remember you telling me, though, that... Uh, Jalen Waddle is basically Tyreek Hill 2.0. And I was like, okay, let's pump the brakes a little bit. That seems a bit bold, but I think you are absolutely correct. They're used differently. Um, and he now catches on- a ton of short. Did he, he had 100 catches this past year, didn't he? He did. He had 101 catches on 140 targets. So he was efficient. He had 1,000 yards. Um, you know, what's his role look like now that Tyreek Hill's in town? I mean, I, uh, it's so difficult to say. Like, I, obviously, McDaniel is going to use both of them. I think for the time being, Hill probably gets more uses, I guess. But, I mean, Waddle's too good. You can't – I could see both of them being low wide receiver ones at this, on the same offense, the yeah. way McDaniel will use them. Yeah, I could totally see – you know, it being interchangeable. I think Jalen Waddle will have safer weeks than Tyreek Hill. I think they'll use Waddle a little bit more closer to the line of scrimmage and find those creative ways to get him the ball. They'll do the same thing with Tyreek Hill, but probably not to the extent as they will with Waddle. Yeah. I mean, they're literally the same player. They um, both run four three forties. They're both very agile. Yeah. Uh it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how Mike McDaniel uses them and if Tua can take the step forward. Because like we've said with 
Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, they're tied to a great quarterback. And a lot of this with Tyreek Hill and Waddle basically comes down to, is Tua Tagovailoa good enough to support them? Until they traded, I, I had Devon, or Jalen Waddle probably as my wide receiver five in Dynasty before the Tyreek Hill trade. Now I probably put him, like we put him below T. Higgins just because I don't know if Tua can keep both of them. Yeah. Number 11, we have Stefan Diggs. This and one was tough. This one, yeah, this one is tough. Obviously, you're comparing like real life. Okay, the past two years, he's been a wide receiver one. Um, but I don't think he's the only show in town. Granted, he's on an amazing offense. He was very, he was very consistent, but he never like exploded like you want a wide receiver with an elite quarterback. He had, I mean, eleven. 14, 9, 14, 7, 19, 12, 11, 26, 16, 16, 7, 10, 11, 18, 7, 18. Yeah. He only had one week where he went over 20 points. Now, he had 163 targets, 100 catches, 1,225 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So you look at that, and he played all 17 games. So you look at that at the end of the day, and you say, okay, that was an amazing season. He should finish as a top five wide receiver, and he didn't. He never blew you away on weeks. He was very just solid, which when you're tied to a quarterback like Josh Allen, I would think his wide receiver one would have those Jamar Chase spike weeks of just boom. You would think, um, but he had, like you compare it to his 2020 year, he had four games in 2020, or four weeks, I should say, above 20 points, and he did a lot of his damage at the end of the season. Um, I know it. Don't you know it? He beat you in the playoffs. Uh, it was on the very last play of the season. I was up by 32 points, and it was my opponent only had Stefan Diggs to go. And they were pay, playing the Patriots. I'm like, okay, well, the Patriots should be able to just calm things down. And Diggs just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. And then the final touchdown he scored put it over the top to beat me. And then they took him out of the game. So the yeah. very final play of the fantasy season, I lost. <laughs> so, you know, he had 1,500 yards in 2020. Um, you know, his, his yards per target was down about two yards from 2020 uh, to 2021. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, obviously, he's got an elite target share. Obviously, great volume tied to a great quarterback. Uh you know, why I, I think for the next couple of years, he's 28. So the next couple of years, you should expect him to be a top eight wide receiver. Um, you know, how long do you think he can sustain this elite target share, elite volume? I mean, I could see him doing that. I mean, he's uh, he's a year younger than Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup, so he could do it just as long as they do. I wonder if Buffalo doesn't add somebody to that offense. That and Gabriel Davis looks like he's primed to finally take a step forward. You know, we've been saying this for two years, though. We have. Maybe it's just that playoff game that he goes absolutely bonkers that you think, okay, he's here. Um, but, you know, how does that translate to in season fantasy production? I don't know that we can yet bet on Gabriel Davis being that guy and I wouldn't, superseding. I wouldn't. Gabriel Davis is not a weekly starter. No. Not yet. Not yet. Um, I think he's like a flex play right now. Stefan Diggs is still that guy. It's just a matter of... You feel okay if Stefan Diggs is your wide receiver one 
because, I mean, I, I think he'll be very consistent. You can count on him to go out there and get you 14, 15 points. But for me, I like my wide receiver one just to have that elite ceiling where yeah. he could he can win me this week single-handedly. Yeah, I absolutely want my wide receiver one to be able to score 40 in any given week. And I want my wide receiver two to get me 15 every week. Um, and maybe that's just how I kind of build out my lineups. Um, but yeah, Stefan Diggs to me, like, I'm not thrilled, I guess, if he's my wide receiver one. Like, I'm thinking of ways to kind of move up a tier, even though it doesn't seem but like I I'm moving up a tier. I can see him also, his ADP dips a little bit. So if he's your wide receiver one, your other positions should be pretty good. Yeah. So he's, he's a pretty safe wide receiver. Number 12 and last on our wide receiver ones for Dynasty, we have DK Metcalf, who probably a year ago was it maybe wide receiver four in Dynasty. Yeah, he was way higher. The Russell Wilson trade absolutely cratered his Dynasty value. Um, you know, we talked about at the top of the episode if he should get above 130 targets. And that seems like it should be something that. And if he gets that, happen. I mean, I think he's still obviously in the wide receiver one category. Yeah. It's just that his quarterback is easily the worst quarterback on this list. And he, I think he could go a lot higher. Um, it's like if he, I've been hearing you know, rumors of him get traded. Nothing concrete, but he could be traded. He's on the last year of his contract, so I highly doubt he stays in Seattle. But again... You have to wait a whole season before we know anything about his value again. Yeah. Um, we know for a fact he's going to have one season of Drew Locke at the minimum, if not probably more. I would imagine that they would re-sign him. But, um, you know, that depends on if they win one game next year, I would assume they're going to kick it into rebuild. Um, but we don't know that. We can't really presume to know exactly what will happen. Um, and so for right now, DK is going to catch probably 130-plus of Drew Locke's targets. And Drew Locke's targets are not incredibly valuable. The best wide receiver season he's supported thus far is a wide receiver 18 finish from Cortland Sutton in 2020. Yeah. And we've seen him be good with guys like Geno Smith because DK is just just a freak of nature. He's one of the most talented people I've ever seen. Physically, he is frightening. Yeah, he's terrifying. He runs fast. He jumps high. He doesn't separate among the elite separators, but he separates enough. He doesn't need to. Um, He's an alpha. He's an outside alpha. And the reason he was so high is because he was tied to Russell Wilson. And I think Russell Wilson is that force multiplier of DK Metcalf is probably not the best wide receiver in the NFL, but he can give you 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns with Russ as his quarterback. With Drew Locke, I would imagine that comes down. I still think he'll score a lot of touchdowns because he's been a touchdown machine. But again, you can't really project touchdown upside. Um, he seems like a guy who probably in 2022 is a high wide receiver too, but with elite upside if he pops and scores a couple of tutties. Um, he's dangerous, but it's just a matter of the guy throwing in the ball is not amazing. You got to wonder, does Tyler Lockett steal some of that away? Does Noah Fant? Um, and how much of that pie is there to go around? Yeah, I talk some, like a, I guess a little bit of junk about Tyler Lockett. He's not, he's not bad though. Like no. he'll still, he's worthy of targets. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got some honorable mentions. I'm going to shoot them yeah, these rapid fire style for you. Uh, we got a few of them listed. Would you rather have 
Jerry, Judy, or Cortland Sutton? Judy. Godwin or Deontay Johnson? Godwin. Would you rather have Keenan Allen or Jerry, Judy? Judy. Dang. DJ Moore or Judy? Judy. DJ Moore or Godwin? Godwin. Godwin or Judy? Godwin. So we are very high on Jerry Judy. Um, other guys to kind of keep an eye on, we have uh, Terry McLaurin, just got an upgrade at quarterback. We think, anyway. I mean, Carson Wentz has to be at least moderately better than Ball's got to go Heineke. somewhere. Ball's got to go somewhere. Currently, Terry McLaurin, he's a good receiver. He's just had terrible quarterbacks, similar to DJ Moore. Also, an alpha wide receiver, but has had terrible quarterback play. Um, a couple interesting ones. Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, both of them have some question marks for different reasons. Um, is Amon Ross St. Brown able to replicate that dominance at the end of the year last season, or was it just because DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson were hurt? A little bit of he was the only target in town. However, I think he did a he was good enough in that role where I think he'll they'll keep using him in that slot, giving the ball in space kind of role they added dj chark don't know how much that helps him or hurts him because it'll free up i think it helps the offense as a whole just because there's finally there's a downfield threat there was no downfield threat for detroit this year so it helps swift and hawkinson a lot i mean i could still see he won't have the dominance that he did at the end of the season where he was just scoring 25 points a week but he could still be a very very reliable flex play DeAndre Hopkins is getting older, but he's still tied to Kyler Murray. Um, and last time we saw him healthy, he was a wide receiver one and a dominant one at that. Um, I do think probably for the next couple of years, I would say probably two years, you can expect D-Hop to still be kind of a fringe wide receiver one. Um, but that, I think, cliff is coming uh, where, you know. He's been banged up a little bit the past couple of years. Yeah, he hasn't really dealt with injuries, serious ones anyway, up until this past year. And he lost most of the year to injury. You got to wonder, like, is that Julio kind of thing coming along where Julio Jones was getting older and he was always seemed to be nicked up, but never really like seriously hurt. And then last year couldn't get on the field. You got to wonder, is the wear and tear going to finally catch up with DeAndre Hopkins? Is he going to struggle to stay on the field? I think he's still, if he's healthy, he's, he's top 10 minimum because they, they lost somebody, didn't they? They lost Christian Kirk. Yeah. So, I mean, Hopkins is going to get his targets. Do we know, do you know uh, what his injuries were? I don't even remember. I don't think any of them were like I want to say correlated. They were, he's had the hamstring the past couple of years. I mean, yeah, that's similar to Julio. Yeah. Those are those soft tissue ones. Um, those are tough. I don't know. I think he'll be a value in drafts and probably dynasty and redraft because people are going to maybe a little bit wary of him. Yeah. I still think D hop is one of the best wide receivers when he's on the field at all times. Kyler's going to pepper him with targets when he's on the field. So I feel that way also about Keenan Allen. Um, I think he's still a high wide receiver too. He's just, he's older. You can't really sell him. 
Uh, you can buy him for cheap because of his age, but he's tied to Justin Herbert. He's Justin Herbert's number one target. He's going to be really consistent for you. And Mike Evans is, or Mike Williams is going to go down the field. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that you can't really do anything with in a dynasty, but if you've got him, you just might as well hold on. Just to write him. it out. Just write him out. Um, I think same thing with Mike Evans. Uh, you can't sell him. You can't get anything for him, but he's tied to Tom Brady for at least one more year. Mike Evans isn't even that. He's like 27, 28, isn't he? Uh, I want to say he's 29, but I could be wrong there. Mike Evans is 28. Yeah. He gets he gets too much hate, I feel like, or people... I don't know, he's very difficult to go with because people are scared to get him, but he's always he's always been good. He's never had less than a thousand yards in a season. Yeah, he's always good. So he's I mean, he's catching Tom Brady's targets. He's gonna be great. And at especially at the start of the season, I don't know how many games Godwin's gonna miss if he misses any, but finally, would you rather have Devontae Smith or Elijah Moore? Uh Devonta Smith. I would rather have Elijah Moore. Really? Yeah. Um, Devontae Smith is on a run-first offense with a running quarterback, and it looks like many mocks are having them take another receiver. He's a route technician. He's a great, great wideout, but I don't think he's got a quarterback that can support elite fantasy wide receiver production, much less if there's two good receivers on that team, if they draft a wide receiver in the first or early second round, I think they they would get a really good second counterpart to him. And I don't, I think in most cases that would help, but I don't think for Devontae in that offense that actually helps him. I think Elijah Moore is an alpha for that team. I think Zach Wilson loves him. Um, he had a lot of touchdowns this past year, so you can't really count on that. But he had a stretch there where he absolutely dominated. And I would rather take guys that I know have a past of dominating than guys that have been good but never really break through for that elite production. I mean, that's fair. I just, I think Devonta Smith is, I guess talent-wise, they're probably equal. I think I'm more leaning, I don't think they're going to keep Jalen Hurts for a while. I don't know how good Zach Wilson is yet. And I don't know, I could just see Philadelphia upgrading that quarterback. Plus, I, I think Devonta Smith, even if they bring in one of these rookies, He's more of cut from the true alpha, like he could, he could be the target hog in that offense still. So from our top 12, who do you think, if we uh, come back to this in a year, who do you think is most likely to not be in this top 12 this time next year? Most likely... I feel like we could see maybe what's his name Tyreek Hill. I could think he. I could see him dropping out. Hmm. Feels weird. Tyreek Hill. Maybe T Higgins. Not T Higgins. Um, Stephon Diggs. If they bring somebody else in, would you rather have Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs for next year? I would too. That'll do it for this episode of the Fantasy Brothers. Uh, follow us on Instagram if you would like more of our content. Check us out. 
tell us or tell a friend about us. Uh, that would be great. And we'll really see you it. in the next one. If there's a next one. <laughs> That's the end of the show. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers podcast. If you enjoyed it, follow us on Instagram at Fantasy Brothers underscore. And we will see you in the next episode.